0: Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 63, our final episode, if you will, leading up to the rise of Skywalker. This week, we'll be covering the sequel trilogy, the must-divisive sequel trilogy, but let's be honest, everything about Star Wars is divisive these days. Um, Josh, let me know that he will not be with us this week. Uh, he's got something very important work-related, but... Once again, rounding out the trilogy, we'll call it the Michael trilogy. Michael, welcome back. How are you doing this week?
1: <laughs> oh, that's very kind of you. I'm, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me back. It's been a privilege hanging out with you this holiday season, covering Star Wars, all things Star Wars, in our opinion. So, looking forward to getting, getting this out of the way. And uh, because tonight, as we're recording this, is the Red Carpet premiere of Rise of Skywalker, looking forward to that. I'm, I have, I'll i have to say I'm a little nervous, I'm getting that, that little bit of buzz. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm so happy that uh, you have me back here. I'm really looking forward to the discussion tonight.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah, I'm very much curious about the online reactions tonight and kind of staying mm-hmm. off but staying on to see the early reactions. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Before we get started, Heather and I saw a week movie over the weekend, so I kind of want to give my brief thoughts and opinions on Jumanji The Next Level. So, I was very late to the party with the first one. Um, I only saw, actually, maybe a month or two ago, believe it or not, the first, well, quote-unquote, the first Jumanji, if you really want to be picky, the second Jumanji. And I really, really enjoyed it, actually. Um, So my expectations were pretty high for this The Next Level. And I'll say, I think I actually like this Jumanji more than I like the first movie.
1: All right. Oh, that's fantastic.
0: I really, really enjoyed this second one. It is a really good time. Uh, you kind of get from the trailers that there's some body swapping that happens. Um, that's part of it, but all the actors in it have a lot of fun with it. And the addition of Danny DeVito and um, Don uh, Danny Glover, not Donald Glover, um the addition of their characters add this fun new dynamic and their characters are a lot of fun to be with. Uh, Without dipping into spoilers, there was a character that was one of my favorites, if not my favorite character from the first movie that I was kind of up in the air if they were going to bring that character back. And sure enough, they did. And I really like how they incorporated that character. The humor really, really works. I think this is a funnier film than the first one. And I laughed pretty hard in the first one. Um, Humor is funnier. The action's better. It's just incredibly well done. I had a really great time with it. I really, really enjoyed it, and I hope to see it again after I see Knives Out again, obviously.
1: That, um, well, I'm curious, what what exactly, because I I saw Jumanji, I was late to the party too, I watched it with my dad last summer at some point, and, you know, we had a time of our lives, because we just had no expectations, we were looking for a film just to kind of watch VOD, and, we had an amazing time, and I'm not sure if I'm going to get out to theaters to see this, but it sounds like it's worth going then.
0: Yes, I would recommend it. Okay. If you're on the fence at all, or if you like the first one, I can't guarantee that you'll like it more than the first one, but I think you'll like it, if you like the first one, you at least get enjoyment out of the second one, if not be on par with it.
1: Okay. What? what uh, is there anything that surprised you, about, like from... From a technicality standpoint and how this wasn't plagued by sequelitis,
0: so to speak? Um, it keeps it fresh. There's um like they don't really rehash um a lot. They do, but they don't. Like they already kind of assume that you've seen the first one, so they don't have that like um training phase if we will of like that first level of we need to explain everything they just kind of drop you right back into it i'm just like all right we know the drill you know the drill let's move on all right um but also i thought by the end of the second one that all right this this was good but i don't really know where the franchise is going to go with this I'm not going to say what they do, but they do something in the mid-credits that makes me immediately interested in another one of, okay, you guys have figured out a way to keep this fresh. You know what you guys have planned for the next one.
1: Well, I've, I've heard that, that same sentiment uh, been shared around the internet as well, which is encouraging to hear. I know that the box office performance was quite quite higher, at least in this first weekend than, than its first one. I, I don't know how it's going to do overall considering that That one movie that's coming out this Thursday and Friday, I don't... It's slipping my mind, but I wonder if it's going to really take a hit because of that that one movie later on in the week. I think it will. I (laughs) wish...
0: I think it will, but not in the long term. Like, the first Jumanji had legs like crazy.
1: Hmm.
0: I remember it kept going, and and that was something that, at
1: least for me, uh, I i was delighted it seemed like the actors had fun did you, did you find that same same thing here where you know as a i think an audience member it's always cool to see when the the actors are like all in and invested i think you can always tell and i got that that uh, particular feeling in the first one does that continue in this film
0: uh absolutely uh the, these actors are definitely having a lot of fun in the movie the rock especially kevin hart especially primarily because they're they're playing new roles, kind of. Um, as is Jack Black. He is not uh, Bethany this time around. I'll just say that. Um, but he is just as funny as he was in the first one. Everyone just seems to be having the time of their lives. They just seem to be having so much fun. The chemistry is great. It's it's a good family flick. I think everyone... It's a good, as they say in movies, a four-quadrant film. Of it, It'll hit the main demographics for everybody.
1: Okay. Well, that's good news. That um, actually you just mentioned something. Do, do all of the teenagers from the first film actually come back and reprise their roles at all? Like is that a thing in this film?
0: They come back, but they may not be in the same position that we, we remember them. They may not be in the same characters in the game itself. Gotcha. But I will but, say But they're in the movie. Yes, they're in the movie. One of okay. my favorite things okay. about this movie actually is um A lot of times in sequels, after a character's undergone a journey, they kind of undercut it for the sequel of just like, well, they're back to square one and they haven't changed as people. Uh, That's not the case of the things that happened to the characters in the first one. They've kind of grown and evolved as people through the events of the first one. And that continues on into this one of they're not starting from scratch. They're different people than they were at the beginning of the first movie. And I really appreciate that sense of continuity
1: okay well i'm I'm, I'm glad i and if it wasn't for this i probably wouldn't have gone to see it but i may take a night to myself and go see it then or try to get my father to to go with me he could he could always use a good time and laugh at the theaters in fact we just got a gift card so i think you've just sold me on it
0: good um yeah i'm i really enjoyed it now we've got that movie coming out this week and then 1917 i'm very excited for that now does that
1: does that i know that it comes out in january in the uk is it really a nationwide release on the on christmas day uh either christmas
0: day or the 27th 27th okay now that one heather and i both are excited for 1917 Mm -hmm.
1: yes very much so Uh, i'm gonna try to get some guys together to go see that here up here in michigan so oh oh, excellent news Uh, that i thank you so much for that quick review i'm glad you both had a good time oh absolutely uh you ready to get into some news I am ready, sir. In fact, I had the, the first uh, first thing already pulled up here. I've been thinking about it for a little bit today.
0: Yeah, I have mixed thoughts on this, so we're going to start off with our one and only trailer this week, as opposed to last week when we had all the trailers ever made. Um, <laughs> so, Tom Cruise is kind of having a resurgence lately with the past couple Mission Impossible's doing quite well. Um, I've kind of had a new appreciation for him in these last couple Mission Impossibles, just really enjoying them. Um, oh yes. I don't really know what to make of his next one, uh, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I will preface this by saying I've never seen the original Top Gun, nor do I have any form of attachment to it or sense of caring. Um, I kind of went through a journey with this trailer. The first time I watched it, I was just like, I felt nothing. I was just like, uh. Eh. Even as someone that hasn't seen the movie, this seems like a lot of just shots that are very very similar to the first one of him riding the motorcycle With the plane the girlfriend sitting in the back of the motorcycle and more or less the exact same style Um, Then I watched it again later right before we recorded for this just so it was fresh in my mind and I kind of was just like "Ah, There's some there's some beautiful shots here and the story seems at least interesting enough um, however, I will say, and we'll talk about it in a little bit here, the trailers aren't really leading us in the direction that I've heard the story is going, so the trailers are a bit deceptive. Um, but I will say, the trailer makes me want to see this movie in IMAX. Like, if I can't see this in IMAX, I don't know oh, if I yeah. will see it, because some of the shots look gorgeous. And also, I must have been misled, because I could have sworn that this movie was directed by somebody else and finding out it's not that person kind of makes me a little less excited, I'm not going to lie. I thought that this movie was being directed by Christopher McQuarrie and that had me super excited and it's not. It's somebody I don't really know so that kind of hurts the excitement a little bit for me. Um, Michael, what did you think about this Top Gun Maverick trailer?
1: Well, yeah. Well, I'm going to do for you what you just did for me. Since you haven't seen Top Gun... You really ought to see it. It is something that is going to be worth your time. I think if you watch that and then go particularly back and watch the announcement trailer that came out in July, which has been my favorite cinematic trailer or snippet all year until that uh, Kylo Ren meets Palpatine Star Wars trailer that was released. Oh, that trailer. Ago. That trailer. Yeah, unreal. But they if should you open haven't with seen Top Gun, you... you yeah, if, if for and yes, I agree with you. Uh, but anyone who hasn't seen Top Gun, who's listening to it, and then you've seen this, and you're kind of, eh, I get it. I think you need to see Top Gun. It's it's a great movie. It ages pretty well, actually. But that announcement trailer and this trailer play on a lot of that nostalgia. Some people are complaining that it's just a it's a remake. Well, it's like we're for forty years, thirty years removed from the first one. I I understand what people are saying. But this movie looks incredible, and I can't. I, if I could somehow second, third, and fourth that that motion of wanting to see this on IMAX, some of these shots. You know, Joseph Kaczynski's is the director here. Say what you want about Tron Legacy and Oblivion, but they were beautifully shot, and the technology used to capture the shots. Uh, he does a lot of stuff in camera. Uh, I'm not the most technical uh, critic of cinematography, but the things, the, everything looks real. It doesn't look. Like it's it's been touched up a lot. It looks like they try to capture all the stuff, uh, all the action in camera without a lot of uh, post editing effects. That's just my opinion. I could be totally wrong uh, on the action itself. So I cannot wait. I this this trailer gave me chills once again. I don't think it's as good as the announcement trailer because they you're right they did reuse a lot of the shots. But with it opening up with the the shot of the tomcat. Uh, 14 Tomcat. like That is that is something that if you don't have a connection to the first one or have any sort of aviation knowledge at all, it's just going to be like, okay, it's a fighter jet. I, I get it. But th- this trailer bl- plays on more of the subtlety. I think they're going to hide some of the story. Uh, and I think there's a lot of stuff that's going to be predictable. But they've got me in the theater now. If I could prepay my tickets right now, I would do it.
0: I joked with Heather when I showed her the trailer, and she actually really liked it. I think she liked it more than I did. And she kind of... She's the one that's kind of coaxing me off. Oh, this could actually be interesting. Um, we both kind of joked when we were watching the trailer. of, We get it, Tom. You're flying a fighter jet. We get it. Yeah. And that's the reason why this movie has been delayed for so long is he kept insisting of learning how to fly a jet himself. I'm like, we we get it, Tom.
1: Uh, the fact that he is going to be 60 by the time the next Mission Impossible movie comes out doesn't even seem possible. It makes me sad, but also the, basically that 60 is the new 40 for Tom Cruise because he's drinking from the Fountain of Youth.
0: So is Keanu Reeves.
1: <laughs> it's it, uh, it, Unreal. It is unreal, and I'm telling you, um, you you've said something. He has, he has had a resurgence here, Tom Cruise has, and I just rewatched. Uh, mission impossible fallout here it's on i think it's on prime video or it's on netflix or something and i just i just want to go back and watch it and that movie has so much heart to it it's not just a stupid fun action movie there's actual character moments and a lot of that is tom Cruise actually you know leaning into that ethan Ethan hunt uh, role and this the script christopher christopher absolutely I, i get it and so i'm a huge fan of tom Cruise. they got my money excellent job i will say the next t- next trailer that comes out for this does need to be more story focused i i couldn't agree more with you
0: yeah the well, i won't say what the story is here like you said i hope the next trailer delves into that but it this the next trailer really needs to show what the story is because this i kind of know what the story is based on some early plot synopsis that they've officially announced i don't think they were leaks um but yeah, it, it's, you don't get a clear picture of what the story is. This is more like a touch you in the nostalgia type, like a chewy We're Home type trailer for Top Gun fans. And if you're a Top Gun fan, I'm sure that hits the spot. But for me, I'm just like, I need a little bit more detail. That being said, I appreciate the cinematography and everything else. Like the shots look gorgeous. So it's it did the job of a trailer and it bumped the needle up a little bit of, in terms of excitement for me of, okay, I'll I'll probably give this one a shot when it comes out in June. Now, good. I'm glad. Another piece of news that I can't say I'm surprised about, but it is a little disheartening all the same, is the Power Rangers. We've talked a couple times, especially over the past few weeks, um, about 2017's Power Rangers and how it is criminally underrated because it flopped, but it really overachieved in all aspects of what we were expecting from a Power Rangers movie. And unfortunately, yeah. we're getting confirmation that that era of Power Rangers is officially dead as we are now moving forward with a new Power Rangers movie, but it is sadly a reboot. So we'll be getting a brand new cast, um, which Dacre Montgomery, the Red Ranger in that movie, and Stranger Things is Billy in season three, two and three, uh, more or less kind of confirmed that this a while back. But now we have official confirmation from the studio that they're rebooting Power Rangers, which makes me sad. But... There's at least a silver lining in my eyes here. So they've said that this new story that they're going to be going is going to be something akin to Back to the Future. In which case, these new groups of teenagers will be going back to the 90s. Which my brain immediately goes, I'm not even a Power Rangers fan. But if you tell me, that whoever these new Power Rangers kids will be, go back in time to the original generation of Power Rangers. And those original guys have to get them back to the present timeline? that's at least intriguing enough of a prospect for me that I'm interested. Um, Michael, what is your experience with Power Rangers? And are you sad to say, are you sad to hear that we're not getting more of that 2017 version? No, not from a financial
1: standpoint. It just makes the most business sense. Uh, However, yeah, we have said it had a lot more heart. They, They marketed it towards the kind of the YA audience and they got me because of that. And even though it wasn't good, it was so much better, in my opinion, than what I thought it had any business being. And I actually wished that it had been a financial success so that we could get a a proper sequel, but we're just, it's not going to. I grew up with Power Rangers because of the influence of my cousins. My cousins were more into that. Um, Anything that was coming out of Asia as far as what was popular in the media forum, my cousins were always into. I was never into that type of stuff. But first time watching Power Rangers, I was mildly entertained and I watched a few of the shows, but that basically left very quickly. And I didn't even expect myself to go see the 2017 iteration of Power Rangers. I just kind of, it was just one of those things like I got nothing else to do. It looks interesting. But because of where they're trying to go here, I really have no interest in revisiting the '90s, especially when it comes to Power Rangers. At
0: least it's not the uh, so '80s. It's,
1: it's a very good point. Uh, however, uh, I I'm just I'm not I'm not feeling gripped. I feel more sad, honestly, because of the fact that they're not going to continue this. Because I think they had a good cast. I think they had something brewing there. Uh, now, doesn't mean that this next iteration can be good. I, I'm not saying that whatsoever. Uh, however, I am just not interested. But, you know, you show me a trailer, see what you're going for, and I'll keep my mind open.
0: Yeah, when it comes to these Power Rangers movies, we've been wrong before, to doubt. So, who knows? Like I said, at least it's not the 80s, because literally everyone seems to be going to the 80s. These days, Stranger Things, Wonder Woman. Um, I'm just, yeah, at least it's in the 90s, not the 80s, but... It does sadden me to hear that we're not continuing in that main Power Rangers timeline that we established in 2017. And, yeah, that was... Mm, that's sad, but hardly surprising to say the least. What is surprising, though, is hearing that Dave Batista, who is quietly building himself quite a resume as an actor, apparently has had some meetings with Warner Brothers. Um, So this has led some people to speculate that he may be in Matt Reeves' upcoming Batman movie since we're getting casting announcements for that left and right. Um, Michael, do you think Batista has had conversations about a DC-specific role? Is it Batman? Or is it some other project because Warner Brothers does projects all the time?
1: Well, I mean, that's everything's based on rumors. I would say... But the most probable would be, uh, would be. Pro- I, I would say it's going to be Batman. Something tied to Batman. I think the best way you can do that is kind of revive that character and, and reintroduce them to the mainstream audience. When we've had so many iterations in this last decade, I think is to bring in a heavy-hitting uh, person to play the antagonist. As somebody who has a little bit of name recognition, which you've just said, his stock is definitely on the rise in Hollywood. Uh, if it's not, I guess what the rumors are, what, Bane? Because, you know, I mean, for one, he has the physical presence to play that part. So that, that's an easy casting choice there. I just don't know who else he'd play. Uh, why else would you go after him? You're, you're not getting him to to put him in a Slim Fast commercial. You're going to get him to play a more hulking type of presence on film. At least that's that would be my objective analysis so i I will say i have no issue if anyone i don't but i don't know if anyone out there on reddit or any any sort of forums are upset about some of these actors crossing over into a different comic series like I, i honestly don't care i want the best person for the job i think it also just adds a little bit of uh more credibility to the genre if people are willing to cross these lines because it's worth it to for them to do it, so um, I, I really—I mean, who's to say at this point? Since they're all rumors, but I hope it's it's for Batman because as much as I liked Bane in The Dark Knight Rises, I I thought they still—I thought it was a missed opportunity because of just how the whole second half of that movie ends. So,
0: yeah, I I want it to be Bane, but I don't think it is. Um, I think, looking on paper, not only from a physicality standpoint, but from an acting perspective, I think Batista is a great choice to be Bane, because Bane is a lot of different things. Yes, he's that gigantic hulking monster when he's on the Venom, but also he's a brilliant tactician. The reason why he broke Batman's back in the Nightfall story arc is because he wore Batman down over time, over months, uh, slowly chipping away at his strength and at his mind, so he's a brilliant tactician. And Batista has shown that he's got range as an actor. He can be the more methodical, uh, he doesn't have to be the brute character. He can have some intelligence to him, like his role in uh, Blade Runner 2049. Of That's a completely different character than Drax or Spectre, which he was the best thing about Spectre, even though he only says one word. Um, I don't know if it's Batman, as much as I would like it to be. If it wasn't already filming, I would say the Suicide Squad because it's James Gunn and he is so tight with James Gunn and more or less is willing to put his career on the line to defend him when Disney fired James Gunn. I I think it is something DC related. I think after Guardians 3, he's going to be out of Marvel, but I don't necessarily know what that would be yet in a perfect world, at least to me. I think Batista is a better fit for Black Adam than The Rock, but that's a whole other argument for another day. Um, I think he is somewhere in the mix for DC property, but I just I Bane seems too good to be true. He doesn't seem like the type of casting choice that we've been getting for this Matt Reeves Batman movie so far. We seem to be getting a lot of like, not to say he isn't talented, but like. Uber talented indie actors. Before we go with the sexy picks, if that makes sense.
1: Okay. Okay. Sure. Yeah. What? Um. So if you had to put money on it, I mean, you you have pretty good instincts. You're more connected in this industry as far as your ear to the ground and um, just. I mean, you have a lot of credibility, I think, and I I, I think that's evidenced by the fact that your JJ theory and Superman's gonna come true. But where, where hey, are you putting your chips, just to be definitive?
0: My also, the thing I was patting myself on the back about I was I predicted that Spider-Man deal when he went to the MCU before it happened, and also the spoiler sure. alert J.K. Simmons thing three weeks before Spider-Man came out. <laughs> yes. Um, I don't see Bane, but maybe like a Solomon Grundy type character of okay, he could fit uh, into a couple different. I, I know movies. who that is actually. Yay. Yeah. Um, but yeah I, I think it'll be something DC related I just don't think it'll be Batman as cool as it would be to have him as Bane which also would make a lot of sense because Bane is not a Caucasian character and Dave is not a Caucasian actor so I think it'd be cool to have more diversity more like line up with the nationality because that's also something we really haven't gotten right with Bane either because that's one of those characters that Normally, I say race doesn't matter, but for me, I've always kind of wanted Bane to be the right nationality because it is kind of part of who he is. Growing up in a Mexican prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, go for it.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say that. I mean, given that information, I, I almost you're almost convincing me to even go or at least hope for a different direction then. I mean, do do you think Bane is the villain they would introduce in this next Batman film whenever that comes out, between now and, like, 2023? Do you think that's who's most likely to be
0: the antagonist of that film? No. I think this next Batman has a lot of uh, Batman villains that we have already seen in other movies as ancillary, secondary background characters, like Catwoman, Riddler... Penguin, Two-Face, I think they'll all be there as background characters for a larger villain that we haven't seen yet or seen done right. Maybe, like, a Riddler is toying with everyone because what we've heard so far with this Batman movie is it's like a film noir, which, hallelujah, that's what I've been asking for for a Batman movie for years uh, to show off he is truly the world's greatest detective. Uh, Maybe, like, a Riddler or a Calendar Man who kind of if you do them like the Arkham games can be very similar to a Hannibal Lecter type of character of maybe Batman has to rely on a killer like calendar man or Riddler to find a worse killer. Um, it may be a stretch, but I would love to see uh, professor pig as in a live action movie. As dumb as that name sounds, he's more or less this surgeon butcher that any human imperfection, he feels like he has to correct and make them more or less into his mindless zombies slash his quote-unquote dolls he's a really creepy character that i feel like could be perfect for a live-action movie but he's one of those like lesser-known characters
1: Hmm. yeah and obviously surprised i never heard of him do you think you could pull off that type of creepiness and vibe in a pg-13 film
0: oh yeah you can get away with a lot in pg-13 nowadays
1: that's true very true. Cast around me,
0: Mala, His it's... eyes are creepy enough. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Ah, can't wait for that movie, too. Yes, that looks great. Thankfully, this is not the only DC news that we have. Um, Apparently, they just decided to announce a whole bunch of stuff. And unlike previous DC announcements, I actually believe that these things will come to fir- fruition. Well, at least one of these, I think, will. Uh, they announced Shazam 2 will be coming April 1st. 2022 what's interesting to note about this is this is only like four or five months after black adam comes out so uh this more or less confirms to me that they're going to be connected somehow i don't think black adam will show up as the main antagonist in shazam 2 but i think at least they'll sow the seeds for shazam 3 when it'll be shazam versus black adam um michael what did you think of the first shazam and are you excited to hear about a second one
1: I am very glad to hear about the second one. I thought the first one was so much better than what I was thinking it was. And again, that was, or thinking it would be, let me use proper grammar, excuse me. Uh, but a lot of that was due to you. You're the one who pushed me again to see that and see that right away. You told me it would be a great family movie, so we watched it as a family. My parents had a blast. I actually think they enjoyed it more than I did. They were engaged uh, from the very first scene. And the one thing I didn't like is I, I thought they reused the same shot of a hero gets knocked down. He slowly gets back up. Faces camera out like wide shot, and then it's a then it's a shot on the villain walking back. Like they use that shot six or seven times in the last act of the movie. It just got kind of old. But all in all, I thought this was amazing. I did not see the fact that all of this the foster siblings getting powers at the end like that was awesome. So I don't know what they're gonna do in the in the, in the sequel, but I thought the family dynamic was such a powerful message. Favorite part of the movie. Uh, is the foster mom's bumper sticker being a foster mom's my superhero power? I think is what it said. Like, that's like that's awesome. Like, I, I think that's so cool. So, the announcement of a sequel, I'm 100% on board. I'm just thinking, why is it taking them four years to do it? Like, it's not like too little too late, but the movie didn't make box office bonkers type of money. Um. So, I, I don't know why it's so late. Like, why, are, why isn't this coming out in 2022? And why are they pushing it back? It is back?
0: coming out well, in 2022. It, I thought it was 2023. Nope, 2022. And also, Shazam was earlier this year. So they are pulling the trigger on this pretty fast.
1: Okay, my apologies. I
0: read all of that wrong. Because think about it. If it starts going into production a month or two, then that's less than two years. Well. Because 2020 is right around the corner, man.
1: That is true. I I don't want to think about the the 90s being 20 years ago. No. My apologies. The 90s will be 30 years away. Well, yes, I mean, but the last thing of the '90s, 1999. I'm just saying for the record. But I apologize for not being prepared. I I read it's that. It's alright. Josh is my normal it's co-host. Clear...
0: We're used to it.
1: Oh, that. Oh, that's funny. I won't tell him you said that.
0: No, he knows. He knows. He's very ill-prepared uh, okay. sometimes. Well, even so, it feels like it's a, it's that's such a long wait. I know that that's
1: kind of standard between sequels, three years, two to three years, even if it gets fast tracked. Uh, I just the reason why I'm a little sad is because like i don't know it's sad because they have to wait that long but i feel like if they really wanted to do that they could put it out like in the fall of 2021 i feel if they really tried their palette for
0: 2021 is already stacked enough as is you've got the batman the suicide squad black adam all within six months of each other well you know dc i you know in Marvel, what was that? Was it 2014 that Marvel had
1: four films in one year? That did That felt like an achievement in film. I didn't feel.
0: No, that was uh, only very... two that year. That was Captain America and Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, I think maybe it was 2017. Sure. Thor: Ragnarok, Spider Man, uh, Guardians Two, Guardians Two, and there was something else because I remember 2017 being a great year for superhero movies. But I I think it's funny that we're still getting this before Aquaman 2 because that's December 2022, and Aquaman came out last year. And Shazam came out earlier this year, which seems like eons ago.
1: It does, my goodness. This year, we're, more, we're only two weeks away from the end of this year, but there's some things that feel like yesterday and some things that just feel like they were, like you said, a forever ago. For some reason, even though I just watched Shazam, I felt like I just I watched... Uh, Aquaman before <laughs> for some reason or, Oh goodness. Uh, they were good though. I'm glad they're setting this up and with the success of what the trailer for wonder woman, 1984 looks like. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, I'm glad that DC is, is finding a consistent theme. It's the it's the theme that I think they've taken a while to nail down. If only they could do it with Superman.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I think that's a leadership thing of Walter Hamada took over a few years back and has, like, tried to steer the ship in the right direction ever since. Also, probably firing Zack Snyder may have been the catalyst for change in the right direction. But um, you, you can't say that out <laughs> line or sure. else you get roasted alive. Yeah. Um, how dare you slander the name of Snyder even though he was always kind of a mediocre storyteller to begin with. Great visually, but storytelling-wise never the strongest, but um what do I know? Um I I would like to see for the next one, oh, what's his name? The green caterpillar that talks. They clearly were setting him up. I used to know at one point it's he in the comics, he's got like his own Legion of Doom type group that he has that's more most specifically villains of the Shazam family so now that we have a Shazam family you need a group to go up against them I think that's the direction they're going as kind of like the holdover until we get Shazam versus Black Adam uh, and it'll be like Kong versus Godzilla of Shazam and Black Adam fight for a little bit and then have to team up to take down a greater evil which I still think is a big idiotic move because black adam has always been and will always be a villain not an anti-hero but i've beat that dead horse enough um now for a release date that i still don't think for the life of me we will meet because it has been moved so many times already oh my the flash oh my goodness this movie was supposed to come out last year not star production. supposed to be released last year. So this movie has gone... Officially, on the record... Has gone through four separate directors. We're now on our fourth director for this. Um, you had the guy that directed the most recent episode of The Mandalorian. Um, Rick Fu something. He was um, direct, supposed to direct it at one point. Then he left. Um, the guys that did Game Night were supposed to do it. And then they left. Um... I believe lord and miller were attached to this movie at one point there were discussions about bringing robert zemeckis in at one point now andy muschietti the director of the first two it movies and mama which i noticed this a couple days ago is it just me or does dc love hiring horror directors for the dc universe of Zack snyder um dawn of the dead David F Sandberg did Shazam, but he also did Annabelle Creation and Lights Out. James Wan did Aquaman, but also did The Conjuring, Insidious, Saw, and now you have David F sent, then you have Andy Muschietti doing The Flash who did It and Mama. I mean, is is that is that too much for it to be a coincidence? I think not. Um but so he's directed to it now so if you've had this many actors go through the project and you've had one act uh this many directors going attached to it and then dropping out but you've still had one actor attached to it maybe that's the red flag. Um so Ezra Miller supposedly is still attached to be the Flash. I'm gonna say this now, that's bull. He is absolutely not the Flash anymore. I think I think they've have an idea that they want to get into flash that they're just not putting it on the record yet because he's definitely what's holding up this project. And he at there have been some very troubling reports from this production also from his perspective as well about like, didn't agree with the vision of the director. So he decided to write his own script, which that is not an actor's place to be like, I'm, I don't like the direction the story is taking. I'm going to write my own story with this comic book artist. Um, that that's not a professional thing to do at all. So those directors obviously left. Um, this is I don't think this is a controversial opinion to say. I did not care for Ezra Village Flash in Justice League. And as this is coming from someone that actually defends Justice League, and I actually quite enjoy Justice League. It's not the best movie of the world, but I I like it enough. Uh, I do not like his Barry Allen. I don't get what he was going for at all so i wouldn't mind seeing him recast but also i think he is getting recast so i don't know why we're sticking with this and they're just like well yeah we're gonna be filming after he's done with his commitments on fantastic beast 3 which is supposed to come out like uh early 2022 or late 2021 so you sure about that because that seems like you're cutting it a little close i think I think they're planning on getting somebody new. Um, Michael, what are your thoughts about the Flash movie as a whole and Ezra Miller as the Flash?
1: I I didn't actually mind him and Justice League. I thought the scenes he was in was actually pretty decent. I I haven't seen him enough, honestly, to have a full round opinion on it, but I don't mind either way. It's not something I feel strongly on. A Flash movie, on the other hand, is not something I'm really interested in. Uh, the TV show, I've never been interested in watching because I, I just don't... I think it's a hard concept because of how you have to shoot it. You either have to shoot it where he's just, you just do a bunch of jump cuts and he's doing things so the audience has no idea what's happening. Or you can spend a lot of money in After Effects and adding a lot of CGI in and everything else is slow motion at quote-unquote slow motion. So I think it's just hard to shoot and capture. I also just don't think he's that interesting of a superhero. Uh, I thought he was more entertaining in in the mid-2000s uh, Justice League animated TV show, honestly. which um, And even then, he, he got made fun of a lot.
0: Which, actually, you bring up a very, very good point with that Justice League animated series. So there's a big difference between the Justice League animated series and the live-action Justice League. Well, one is good... Um, but the big difference is in the live-action movie that we got with Ezra Miller and the TV show with Grant Gustin, both of those flashes are Barry Allen. In the Justice League Animated series, it's Wally West. Now, I can absolutely see them keeping Ezra Miller somehow in this universe to be like, well, he's out there somewhere, but this Flash movie is Wally West's movie instead of Barry Allen because there's, like you, there's a lot of people that know that incarnation of The Flash that may not know the Barry Allen one but they grew up with the Justice Anime series so they're more familiar with Wally. The nice thing is with The Flash, it's like a Green Lantern. There's been multiple people with that title that you can slot in. You don't necessarily have to go with a Hal Jordan. You can go with a Jon Stewart or someone else. Here, you don't necessarily have to go with a Barry Allen. For a wa- for many decades in the comics, it was Wally West after Barry disappeared in Crisis on Infinite Earths. Uh, I think you can stick with a Wally. That way you don't have to necessarily recast your Barry Allen, but you can still get a Flash movie. And there's different stories to be told with a Wally. I, I think Ezra Miller's out as Flash. I've thought this for a while. I do still think, though, that Andy Muschietti is staying on as director time being until he has creative differences with others, Ezra Miller and then leaves. Um, I I think he's attached. I think Warner Brothers is really high on Andy Muschietti as they should be. It Chapter 2 wasn't nearly as good as the first one, but it still made them a lot of money. So mm-hmm. I, I am interested in the Flash. I like the character of the Flash. I like Barry more than Wally, but I think there's a lot of untapped potential there as I think a lot of DC has a lot of untapped potential but I, I won't bark up that tree today. I, I want this Flash movie to succeed, but it's it's one of those properties that it's just been the thing that will never actually happen because it's been in development for so long. Um, and some people that are more optimistic will be like, well, Shazam was in development forever, and that eventually got made. That's true. Um But Shazam didn't have nearly as many production issues as his Flash movies had. So, Flash is like the Batman, which also had a lot of issues. I'll believe that we're getting this movie when I see it. Like, once the cameras actually start rolling, then I'll believe that we have the Flash. But until then, I believe nothing concrete from Warner Brothers in regards to a Flash movie. Um, Now, for our last one today, we have another um, release date, but one that raises... All the red flags in the world to me. Um, Mortal Kombat, the beloved video game franchise, is getting a movie reboot. Because apparently the 1990 version just isn't good enough anymore. It It's not great, but it's at least enjoyable. Um, so we're getting a reboot of that. And they just pushed it back. And this raises all the red flags in the world to me. Like I said, it got bu- pushed back from um, sometime in 2020 to January 2021. Well, let's all take our hats off and remember in memoriam of this movie because let's be honest, January is where movies go to die. This raises all the red flags in the world to me. Michael, am I overreacting here or do you think that's about right?
1: Uh, well, all you have to do is say video game live action movie and we can end scene cut and just move on. Well, from there.
0: I, I still defend Jake John Hall's Prince of Persia movie
1: but it, but it's not like this life-changing cinematic uh, event that defined a new genre okay it's not Iron Man from 2008 uh, it's it's not it's not something that's gonna kick off this wild um, and crazy spur of like all right let's let's make I mean we're, we're gonna see maybe maybe with the success or lack thereof of the Witcher series if that'll actually, Find a happy medium for some video game genre. I mean, now obviously that's source material through the books as well. I I get that, uh, but you know most people know The Witcher. I would believe through the games. Uh, this Mortal Kombat, obviously, the games. Is it gonna? Is it going to be something that is worth seeing for me? No. Uh, January, obviously, when the studio doesn't really get behind and back that. Uh, man, from the very beginning, if you're going to put it in January, you know they don't have confidence, especially pushing it back. I mean, technically, that's a basically a year from now. Eh, listen, you're not wrong. I don't blame you whatsoever to have apprehension now. And I will until I see the first trailer and until the movie comes out. This is going to have to be one that's going to have to basically... You're going to have to prove to me why I should go see it. You're going to have to really convince me. Or other films, you you ha- it's like it's it's really Jerry Maguire. You had me at hello. We talked about it with Top Gun Maverick. You had me at he- hello there. This one, you're going to really have to twist my arm. And so I'm going to start out skeptical. I, I do not have an open mind about this because I, I don't know the source material here. I've never played any of the games. So I'm not interested to begin with. And then hearing this news and your skepticism... I mean, it's just,
0: this movie has to do a lot to get me to the theater. To amend uh, my statement from earlier, actually, I want to correct myself. A movie coming out in January may not spell the end. It's not a very good sign for a big budget movie. A lot of smaller movies can find some pretty good success in January, depending on the movie. Um, Case in point... Um, The Visit, M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit, which was surprisingly good, came out in January. We had no expectations for it, and that ended up being good. But typically, big franchise potential movies or something that has a famous IP attached to it, being in January, that's a big red flag to me. And Mortal Kombat, even if you don't play the games or you haven't seen the original movie, you know the name. It's iconic. It's super well known. So Even casual people that have never really played it, they're going to at least be intrigued by it, and having come out in January, I think, is a really bad sign for the future of this movie, but also, if I remember correctly, this is a first-time director with a lot of actors that we've never heard of, which also raises a lot of red flags. I'm having some Uwe Boll flashbacks here, and that's never a good thing. <laughs> now,
1: that's a good reference.
0: Yeah, let for those that don't know Uwe Boll, you are, you are incredibly lucky. This is the man that is responsible for most of the bad video game movies we've ever had <laughs> i
1: i will say though if anyone out there listening any of you future famous directors if any of you wants to make a mass effect movie please go ahead and do it i i, Maybe I would stick go back the landing and repeat this time all of that yeah yes yeah, yeah. Well, they could do it well. It would definitely have to be a blockbuster type of cinematic experience, but I'm just saying I'm begging somebody to make that because I think that is a rich environment. You could basically take all the really, really sore Star Wars fans and the really, really, really disrespected Star Trek fans, introduce some sci fi and some fantasy. Unite both of those hurting fan bases into one new thing, and then you can really, really tick them off when you don't stick the landing again. So, I mean, that's just what we do with our favorite sci-fi
0: <laughs> fan bases. I'll I'll leave you guys with this. Uh, a question for Michael, and then we'll go into our main discussion. If we ever did get an adaptation of Mass Effect as, in a different medium, would you rather it be a film slash film series or... A television series like a Netflix.
1: I want to. I see. I. That's a fantastic question, because of what the of what it is. And now I, I will say, I said this before watching a little bit of. Oh, what's the show on Prime Video right now? It's a big sci-fi show, Lost in Space. Um, no, not the a Expanse. Mature thing. Thank you. Uh, that show looks pretty good. Uh, so, but I, if I, before seeing that, I'd be like, no, I want it to have a movie style budget because I want it to look really good. Well, The Expanse is an example of how good a show could look um, that doesn't have like the backing of like Lucasfilm and Disney, for example, like The Mandalorian. So, I still think you can make like out of the video game trilogy, you could make like seven really high quality story films. You really could. Um, however it it the story and how it's told and how you get to know the characters which mass effect is completely character driven people love characters and rpgs the how you flesh them out is better on the small screen so i would say like you know jeff bezos you got billions of dollars that he's spending um, on um, here's lord a of new eyes yes um along with lord of the rings which will be successful um get a decent director showrunner and invest that same amount of money into a Mass Effect uh, series, and uh, I will watch How
0: it. How would you feel there if you, you heard Mass Effect, the Amazon series, directed by Peter Jackson?
1: Uh, I, um, we'd have to have an emergency podcast, uh, <clears throat> is what I'd have to say there, Nathan. I, I would, uh, I'd have to call you. So basically, and I'd have to ask your permission.
0: So basically, it'd be like if we got confirmation tomorrow that JJ is directing a Superman movie of just like rejoicing in the streets. And you'd be hear my screams from Florida.
1: I I would say whatever the opposite of the disturbance in the force uh, would, I would uh, probably, probably have to calm you down. Absolutely.
0: You just hear Uh, Obi-Wan go. And I heard millions of voices silently cry out in excitement. Yes, exactly. Just flip it on its head. All right. Well, that'll about do it for news. Um, this week's episode is sponsored by Funko Pop Figures. Don't have the best Christmas budget? Get some Funko Pop for the person in your life because they're just fun little figurines that I need to stop collecting because I now have way too many in my possession. Thanks, Cody Manning, for getting me started, and now I can't stop.
1: Co-
0: Wait, Cody?
1: Like your soft junior year roommate?
0: Yep. Cody Manny. He got something in college. I forget what he got first. And I got like a Batman Beyond or a Nightwing. I was just like, all right, cool. I could stop with these. These aren't that cute. These aren't that oh, cool. Oh, no. And, yeah, I have way too many now and not enough at the <laughs> same time. Well, does your wife concur with that? Still agree with both of those that we have too many and not enough oh okay
1: <laughs> oh i love it that's great what what is her, now i question does, does she collect her own yes for the for the sake of the sponsor okay she we, does So you're we your more or less have our too. own
0: rules to it of um it has to be something you have some form of an emotional connection to or enjoy it can't just be like a random pop figure and to make it more fun because we were collectors that's why we have physical media and uh, discs and books um since we're physical collectors, we actually have to find them physically in the store. We've only ever bought Pops online, like, twice. And I think one of them was Force Awakens related. Hmm. Um. Hmm. So, yeah. That just kind of makes it more fun to try and find them in person, because there's certain ones that are only available in certain stores, yada, yada, yada. It makes it a little bit more fun to try and seek things out. Sure. Well, good. I'm glad. It's
1: always nice to have something to collect, and they're not incredibly expensive now if you have like a thousand of them of course then then that might be an expensive hobby over time but it's not like golfing you know that's it's a cheaper hobby than golfing or or shooting or shooting guns or stuff like that
0: indeed you ready to talk sequel trilogy
1: Uh, i yes it's speaking of shooting guns how about uh shooting up the uh the holes and the plots of the wait a minute uh you're oh, is this, getting a is, little is this ahead of a, a good review or a yeah? Is this supposed to be a bad review or a good review? Oh my
0: god! <laughs> you're a little. You're jumping the gun a little bit, but we gotta we gotta oh, rewind okay. the clock a little bit to 2012. Okay. Um. Okay. Yes. I remember when this happened. Of the yes. biggest yes. news story of the decade by far. Disney acquires the rights to Lucasfilm for $4 billion and has plans to make more Star Wars movies. I remember, like, my life stopped in that moment. I was in my dorm at the time, and my life just stopped going, Disney just bought Star Wars and, and Indiana Jones, but whatever. But Star Wars, and it's just like, we're getting more Star Wars movies. We're getting more... We're getting more Star Wars movies! And I remember just, like, running down the hall, talking to everyone that had their door open. We're getting more Star Wars movies! Disney just bought Star Wars! We're getting more Star Wars movies! And there are some people that are like, What? I don't believe you. Look it up! Look it up, man! Like, I, I was a crazed madman when that news happened, because it just... It seemed so unbelievable. And I remember you and I having many discussions about it. Um, going... Picking up straight from when Disney acquired the rights, what are what are you what are the earliest memories you have about when Disney first bought Lucasfilm and the hubbub surrounding it?
1: Yeah, so I remember where I was at. I was outside Chapman, our freshman dorm on the campus of the Olivet Nazarene University. Thank you very much. And I was actually walking to the cafeteria. It was a late night after band practice, and I was tired and. My friend Stefan, who um, you know, it called me, which was unusual. Uh, at least at the time, uh, we usually at that point had a you know a time each week where we just caught up with one another. We set it aside. So him for him to just call me and not like message me first that that was unusual. So I picked up and he told me all he just said was they're making new movies and I'm. You know he was he was so excited he didn't give me any contacts. That was that, congratulations. Yes, we get a new uh, movie every okay. week. Yeah, like yeah, like wow. Uh, that's uh, you know the f- papers are gonna fly off the shelves tomorrow with that headline. Uh, but he told me he said no that Lucasfilm you know has bought Disney they're gonna make um, new films and I just I remember Lucasfilm stopping. I remember has where bought I was Disney. At. Oh my gosh! Yeah, well excuse me uh, for. Anyone else listening carefully, not laughing to themselves, Disney had bought Lucasfilm. And yes, you're correct. They were going to make new films. And I just, it took a second for me to process it. Um, and then that is, you know, I, I said, how is this possible? I, I, we talked a little bit and then uh, we let each other go. And then I walked up and the first person I talked to about it was you. We, we had a discussion. We didn't really know each other that well at that time. But I I heard you discussing it in the hallway and, and that's what we, we debriefed about it. But I, I just remember it was it was like this this moment of, I, what are they going to cover? But it was also it was broke that they're bringing back some of the original cast and, you know, obviously with all those details, it had been in the works for a while. We we deduced that right away, um, and and so it was just kind of this this idea of like just building expectation. Like I can't I can't believe they were gonna do it, considering the impact it had on me as a kid, my imagination, the toys, the video games. I mean everything. It basically shaped how I interacted with other people because of like all of the fun and the playtimes when I was a toddler all the way up through up a lot of the games that I, I, I grew up with it. It formulated a lot of my social interaction and, and all of that just came flooding back in this wave of nostalgia. So uh, I was over the moon about it, but I, I did not at that moment in 2012, I did not set any expectations because I just really didn't know what to think. I really wanted to wait for more details to come out.
0: Yeah. I remember just being super ecstatic that we were getting more, so then, flash forward a couple months, um, and they've started filming, well, I, before they even started filming, I remember the I, now iconic picture that really just made it real to me, Of it was right before I went into a video editing class with uh, Dr. Attic now McLaughlin, um, she was teaching a class, and we were all just sitting around in the editing lab waiting for class to start and I remember um, Star Wars slash Lucasfilm slash Disney shared the first quote unquote official picture from episode 7 didn't even have a title yet and it was everyone sitting around in a circle doing a table read and I was just like oh man this, this is cool of black and white picture of like the original cast with these new people and it said this whole cast list of people that are in it of, cool. Mark Hamill's back. Harrison Ford's back. Carrie Fisher's back. Who's Daisy Rid- Ridley? Adam Driver. Everyone I remember all the articles going girls. Adam Driver because he was, at the time was like the most well known of all these kind of unknown actors. But even then, most people didn't know who Adam Driver was. John Boy Boyega Boyega. Yeah, exactly. Um, Oscar Isaac was in some movie called Inside Lewin Davis that was his claim to fame, working with the Coen brothers. Um, my heart made me, was just so happy to see Peter Mayhew was returning as Chewbacca one last time. That was so great to see, but it was just, my heart swelled with emotion just seeing we're getting more Star Wars and it's this perfect blend of new and old. You saw these new actors sitting side by side with the classics and it just seemed like it was going to be a great time. So then Um, I'm trying to think of the timeline Um, we'll talk about trailers in just a second but I got one more anecdote I remember in college this was maybe about two or three months before the movie came out something that subsequent releases didn't have the same impact but this one was something special um, that I shared with my roommate at the time Alex something called Force Friday Michael you remember that?
1: Oh, absolutely. So, Force Friday
0: was the day that they decided to release, for the first time, a good chunk of the merchandise for Force Awakens. So, when we were done with our classes around, like, noon or one that day, my roommate and I were just like, you ready? You ready? We hit all the major stores um, in our area, which wasn't many, maybe three, because our college was a very small town. Uh, We hit, like, Walmart, Target books a million, everything, trying to get within our budget of anything Force Awakens that we could get. I got a massively oversized, definitely doesn't fit me, shirt of Kylo Ren and the First Order Troopers. I got a Kylo Ren mask, Kylo Ren lightsaber. We got some pop figures. Uh, That's one of the only times I have ever ordered a pop figure online it was when I bought Kylo Ren because we could not find it anywhere. Um, Alex got a Ray pop figure. I remember that really well. I got a Poe Dameron. And it was kind of weird at the time getting pop figures for characters we still had not never seen before. So I kept crossing my fingers. of just like, oh, when Force Awakens comes out, Poe better be a good character. He better not be some annoying scrub that I'm going to have to live with their pop figure, um, Rose Tico. Thankfully, I don't actually have a Rose pop figure, but imagine if you got Rose merchandise before Last Jedi came out. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And I remember going over to... Uh, my girlfriend's dorm, now my wife's dorm, to be like, look at all the Star Wars toys I bought because I'm in my 20s. Um, and just the level of excitement of Star Wars toys are back. And I'm going to be honest, no movie in the Star Wars saga since Force Awakens had, had nearly as much or as good of merchandise. Like, Where's all the Star Wars toys? That still bothers me to this day. But Force Awakens had so much great merchandise that I just, like, gobbled everything up. I remember on my Christmas list in 2015, uh, top of my Christmas list, anything Force Awakens related. Um, And, yes, sure enough, I got a lot of Star Wars stuff that year. Um, Let's talk about those Force Awakens trailers. Because you, Uh. you are involved in one of my strong memories of one of those trailers. Um. Um yes. That initial teaser trailer at Star Wars Celebration. Um I remember we both were watching the live stream on separate computers. Like I think you were in the library or something. Um
1: I was in the library. Yes, I I uh are, are you you're not talking about the initial one the Black Friday that came out. It was November 28, 2014. No, no, not it was that Black one. Friday. I'm talking are, the Star Wars Celebration. No, you're not talking about that one. Okay, the Chewie were home oh, trailer. Oh man.
0: That that touched me in yeah, all the nostalgic yeah, I was, places.
1: I was late to a class because of that. Worth uh, it. <laughs> worth it. I St- Stefan was – we were also messaging back and forth. Stefan's is my best friend. He's a huge Star Wars fan as well in case anyone wants to know. But, yeah, we were we were messaging back and forth as well. And he he was actually outside and it was raining at his college. And he stopped and watched it and it was late to his nursing class because he wanted to watch it so bad. So we we all had different priorities that day, and, That's the and yes, the only thing that mattered,
0: er, like yeah, the weird thing is, it wasn't I, just us. I remember talking to almost anybody that day of, "Hey, you know, there's a Star Wars trailer today, right? Yeah, I do you ready? Like, there's a lot of people that were waiting for the trailer, and then as soon as it dropped." Kind of the whole buzz around campus was, holy crap balls! We're getting more Star Wars, and everyone became a Star Wars fan again. It was this really amazing yes. energy that unfortunately has not been captured since. Um, it was. No, you're right, and I. You are absolutely right because I remember
1: because I'd frequent the library a lot, and people were talking to other people unprompted as, like, "Hey, dude, what did you think of a Star Wars trailer?" Not asking, "Did you see it?" They were they were just yeah, asking you, it in such you a way that like you already saw everyone. It. Yeah. Everyone saw it, what did you think? And I you know what? And that is something you are right. It that was such a cool moment to be like at a college environment where everyone talks to everyone about that type of stuff. So, you know, seeing that for you know for what it was, looking back, it is a special moment, really. It truly And I was. thought
0: it might just be in my bubble because I was a film major at the time, before I switched it to something kind of similar. Um I thought it was just in my same bubble because movies are, our bubble in the con department. Um, but no, it was a basically campus wide excitement for star Wars of just, mm-hmm. Oh boy. Oh boy. We cannot wait for this movie. Um, so I think I haven't th- talked to Michael about this at a time, but I think this week we'll change things up and we'll kind of go in sequential order. So, Few weeks we've been going earliest memories of each movie, break those down individually, then general thoughts. Let's do uh memories and then we'll go into general thoughts for Force Awakens and do earliest memories of Last Jedi and then talk about Last Jedi, kind of go like a series of events. So, okay, we finally get to Force Awakens that you and I both saw it Thursday night. What do yes, you remember? We did. Um. So,
1: I I, I was uh, my my friend Stefan again. He was the one who's, who's arranged a lot of this stuff for me. He's the one who pre-purchased uh, pre-purchased. He purchased our tickets, and so we were at IMAX, uh, the first quote-unquote North American screening for normal people, not anyone who went to the premieres. And so it was a seven o'clock, and I, I remember, you know, it, it was it was. Basically, I had to wake myself up because as soon as you saw a galaxy in a far, far away, all the way until you see BB-8 roll up to spot the landing craft of the of the First Order, I basically had forgotten that. Like I, I was, it was surreal. Like I just had to wake myself up. Like okay, focus, Michael. This is a movie now, and. My, my The whole impression of that night was, was just fantastic. I remember the, the ending of the film is such a cliffhanger and you're like, oh my gosh, I got to wait two years or what have you. Uh, but I remember there was a guy to my back right. He was in the top row and he I remember what he looks like still. He just yelled. He did it everyone. JJ did it and everyone just this was after the credits were over with so there was still a lot of people and everyone
0: just started roaring and applause. See, and I I'll never forget that. My theater had someone similar but did something different. Uh when the movie was done, we were all happy, we clapped loudly. And then some guy in like the second or third row stands up for everyone else and goes, "All right, we all enjoyed it." Now, don't say anything as we leave the theater so the people behind us can enjoy it too. Let's not spoil it for them. I'm just like, that man is a hero. Not everywhere one yes. wears capes. Like, yes. What? A, what? <laughs> Let's not talk about this until we get to the car so that we don't spoil the amazingness for the people behind us. It's like, that. that's Absolutely. a cool thing to say. But I remember the two loud, well, I always like going to premieres because the crowd reactions are different. Um, I still lost my voice when I saw Endgame this year. But um, when you get the Star Wars logo and the siren blares, the theater just erupted. And then, um, mm-hmm. we can't take that. That's a piece of garbage. The garbage will do. Pan, right, Millennium Falcon. People just oh, yes. lose it. Um, and then, of course, yep. the moment that everyone saw in the trailer, chewy, we're home and it just, you just feel the happy tears flowing. Movie ends, I remember um, distinctly, whenever any movie's done, I always look to my mom and dad and be like, did we like it? I look over to my mom who is, they're the original generation. They they saw in sitting in the aisles, watching the original trilogy, so look over to my mom who absolutely hates the prequels. My dad can tolerate them at least a little bit. Look over to my mom who absolutely hates the prequels and she just goes, now that's better that's star wars and i'm just like yes yes it is that is that is how you do it good job jj um and then i look up and you have already texted me because we had we were in the same time zone so we actually more or less saw the same showing at the same time so you wasted no time Mm -hmm. texting me just going it's back that was amazing i was just like Yes, that was, oh, I saw it so many times. So we were still in college at the time, so Heather was at home in Illinois still. I was so proud of her. She saw it, I think, Saturday morning, all by herself, actually. She didn't see it with anybody else. She was just wanted to see it so bad, and she absolutely loved it. Uh, ironically, she told me this later. She was kicking herself. She found out later that day that her cousin also saw it by himself. She's like, I would have just gone to see it with you, but whatever. Just like a big old missed high oh, five. No. Um, she loved it. Oh, that's funny. We introduced one of our friends to it in college. Uh, we're just like, all right, we want to get you into Star Wars. We're gonna show you the Force Awakens first because we think that's an easier in for you. And they really, really enjoyed it. We eventually showed them the original trilogy. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, Force Awakens. It was like this shot in the arm of welcome back star wars it's i've missed you my friend you just it was the equivalent of a movie hug a movie just hugging you going it's okay i had to leave for a little bit but now i'm back and some people were complaining at the time of it's just a retread of episode four i will always defend episode seven being a retread of a new hope because disney had to prove that they knew what they were doing with the franchise which they would subsequently drop the very next movie but we'll get there in just a little bit Um, I them repeating episode 4 to me was the right choice for 7 because it showed okay we know what we're doing at least in this regard JJ knows what he's doing at least um, yeah I think Force Awakens is still my favorite of the Disney era Star Wars movies I really enjoyed this one I saw it numerous times in theaters and it's It was exactly what the Star Wars fandom needed, and almost as soon as the movie came out, it was all downhill from there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say The Force Awakens. um, You know, hype aside, has got to be one of the best remakes of all time. Um, You know, I say that jokingly, but I mean, there there are a few things I would change in in my own little sort of um, fan fiction head and my head cannon. I would basically, if anyone knows the uh, old EU, what the planet like Raxus Prime was, it's basically an old Junkers planet that basically was about as dark as Geonosis um, and a a little bit more like stormy, Uh, but it was just a Junk planet, it was a salvager's dream in the EU, and then I would have, I would have had... Ray, cause there's no reason why Jakku needs to be a desert planet that's like Tatooine. And there's no reason why Jakku can't just be Tatooine. Like, there's literally no reason for it. Um, and so... Uh, and then there's... I, I think there was a missed opportunity for the, the Stormtrooper that Finn fights. Um, really, that should have been... Phasma. Um, Phasma. And, and if it was... Yeah. And then if you have Chewie embrace Leia, I think the movie... In my opinion, quality-wise, would have rivaled the original trilogy as far as quality. uh, If you would have had those changes, Um, and that's a little vain to say that my edit would be better, but it's it's my edit, so I get to say what I want. Um, But I remember you said it. That the I I will say it from the teaser trailer that came out in Black Friday of 2014. It was November 28th. If you go back and watch that, and you and you're in your head of you. You love the original trilogy, the prequels maybe have left a bad taste in your mouth, but Star Wars is coming back, here's J.J. Abrams, Uh, here's the stage, sir, and you see that 88 second teaser trailer, everyone for the most part is in agreement. That it feels like Star Wars. It's an X factor. It's a feeling. It's all about the eye test. I I don't think Star Wars fans could put it in a thesis somewhere. We just know it when we see it. And we know when we don't see it. So us being very critical and and nitpicky. That trailer just got us. It got us hooked. and And I honestly say that. That feeling left me. Right out of the theater, I went back. I saw it six times in theaters, and you know, as this is a transition into the other ones. I've had no desire to go see another Star Wars movie six times in theaters. So, um, which will we will get into. But you are absolutely right, night It felt like Star Wars. I was so happy about it. The merchandising, everything around it, it felt epic again. And I hadn't felt that way at least with Star Wars since, you know. Obviously, I was a kid. I haven't felt that way since Revenge of the Sith, but I was a kid seeing Revenge of the Sith. I wasn't an adult looking at the prequels, so that's just for me. It had been a decade since I felt that way in a movie theater, and it was really cool to be amongst friends and have people like yourself to talk about it with.
0: You brought up the original Black Friday teaser trailer. Let me talk about that just for a second, then we'll move on to the real breaking point for the franchise. Um I remember getting up early because I wanted to do a trailer reaction video and I still hate that video to this day because it's all crooked and I chopped off my own head but I didn't care because I needed to get up early (laughs) and get it as soon as it came out because that's how you get the views Um, because I was desperate for views at the time. Um, But I remember, I think there were tears of joy on my part. I genuinely believe that when you saw the Falcon kind of do that barrel roll and take out the TIE Fighters and then... Remember, um showing it to my parents later and my dad whenever i show him trailers he's normally pretty stoic and pretty reserved um then the final shot shows up when the millennium falcon shows up and he's just got this big old grin on his face like yes that is star wars and it's like that just uniting theme of everyone comes back to those original star wars movies and just yep that's, that's the safe space right there. That's the safe zone that everyone loves. Um, then it all goes downhill after that. With, I think we can't just jump into Last Jedi. I think we need to address the issues that Lucasfilm was starting to have leading up to Last Jedi. So, as to our celebration, you were supposed to have Josh Trank take the stage, but um, he was suddenly ill and not at all fired whatsoever from his behavior on Fan4Stick. Um, it would, we'd find out a few weeks later that he was fired. And which end up being a slew of directors that had issues with Lucasfilm. So he got fired. A certain movie called Rogue One would come out before Last Jedi. Which I know you have a lot of backstory with Rogue One. And discussions about um, like the reshoots and everything else. Um, At the end of this, we will rank all the Disney-era Star Wars movies and I'll give a spoiler alert now. Rogue One is dead last for me. I hate that movie. Um, I think that was kind of the first chink in the armor of Lucasfilm because of how it was handled and it would be a foreshadowing to how upper management would handle movies going forward. So... Rogue One didn't fracture the fan base like Last Jedi would, but I think that's kind of where the issues, that's where the first pebble started to fall that would eventually create the rock slide that we're in the middle of right now. So, Force Awakens is the top of the mountain. We're super excited to be getting more Star Wars movies. Then we get the new one. We have Ryan Johnson announced as director. And I'm gonna say something very controversial right now. I was never on board with him as a director ever because yeah, I, I would agree. I, I, I saw, I saw a looper and I was like, it was okay, but I never exactly. once thought this is, I never thought amazing. Looper was that good either. So I was just like, eh, that being said, I owe a huge apology to Ryan Johnson because he so far has the best movie of 2019 with knives out. I adore that movie. It is so good. Um, but from the get go, I never thought he was the best choice for last Jedi. Now I will preface this by saying I don't hate Last Jedi. I like it more than some other people do. That being said, it does have a lot of issues that people either seem to think it's the best movie ever created in the whole Star Wars universe or an abomination of filmmaking that should never have been made. I, I'm somewhere in the middle. There's a lot of things that I like and a lot of things that I don't think work from a narrative standpoint, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Michael, what are some of your earliest memories specifically with Last Jedi? Um. So we,
1: we I remember seeing the first trailer at that time. I had my own podcast with Stefan. Sorry about the mess podcast and and we covered uh, a trailer breakdown for that first trailer that came out uh, for it. And uh, I it was very very intriguing. Some of the shots in there, uh, a lot of the um new new ships, the commentary on basically on on Kylo and will he will he or will he not like kill Leia. Uh, this is what it was alluded to um, in that trailer. Um, but I will tell you I, I don't have as much uh, remembrance of that whole time period uh, because of what came afterwards. So leading up to it, we got our tickets and we, we unlike the Force awakens, the websites did not crash and we went back to the same theater. Uh, that we saw uh, The Force Awakens. Uh, I, I saw Rogue One in the year prior to that, and actually this year is our, it's our fifth year of, or fourth consecutive year doing this very thing of where we get to see a Star Wars film um, in the same theater. And so, um, in that way, it's pretty cool. Um, however, um, really, the, the Last Jedi, uh, for me, was uh, they got a, didn't get a standing ovation, but people were really happy. And, and I remember coming home and my mom and dad really like, so how was it and i was like uh it was really really good but I, it was almost as if the tone of my voice betrayed the words that came out because i think it was me really wanting to like it versus me having to process i had to process the last jedi i did not have to process the force awakens um if that makes sense i had to really kind of go deeper into like what i saw happen and and for me i'll get into it but I'll get into it after you talk about it, but I don't think it was a good thing that I had to process a Star Wars movie.
0: Yeah. The only thing I remember about the lead up to episode eight is at the time on my YouTube channel, I was mainly just doing fart around videos, just kind of for fun, just doing different film related things. So for episode eight, for May the 4th, before episode eight came out, so this was a few months before I just, I wanted to do something different to really challenge myself So I did, at the time, my most ambitious and, like, the most work I ever put into a video um, called How Episode 8 Could Work, and I still really enjoyed that, and I still think there's a lot of story elements in there that I probably should have gone with, like a whole double turn, which is something that the marketing really teased, that Rey may turn evil and Kylo may turn good, Um, but I had a whole story pitch for Episode 8, more or less my whole fan fiction, which... That is, I think, a big part of the reason why people hate Last Jedi is it didn't do what they wanted it to do, which I think is never a good thing when you take out your frustration with something the director does because you didn't—it's not what you would have done. Well, you're not a Hollywood director. That being said, I was never mad that they didn't go with my direction. I was more just curious with some of the decisions that they did go with, but I don't blame them like a lot of other people do. Of Well— I was wrong about Ray's parents or this, that, or the other thing. Um, I I stuck my foot in my mouth when last year I was coming out. I distinctly remember this. Um, Again, I get out of the theater to find a text from you going, it was really good. And I'm just like, I think it was just, I had a really good crowd experience, so I'm just like all high on adrenaline going, that was one of the best Star Wars movies ever, I think top three, like super, super adrenaline rushed, and you're just like, I don't know if I'd go that far, like I could immediately sense your caution, and that made me double back, I'm just like, well maybe it really isn't that good, and on subsequent watches I'm just like, how much adrenaline was going through me at the time that I said that on the record? Um it's one of the few like actually like my mind has drastically changed on the movie over time. Um that being said, it was a great theater going experience, but you're right. The crowd reaction for most of the movie wasn't nearly the same level as Force Awakens save for one moment. Um the moment when Kylo Ren kills Snoke and the throne room scene when he teams up with Rey, that was the most deafening sound I've ever heard in a theater up until Avengers Assemble, um, which mm. that was like concert yeah. level in my theater. Um, but when they teamed up, I cheered. I was so ecstatic. But then a few minutes later, I was just like, that's weird. That's, that seems to me more like a return of the Jedi type moment, not an empire strikes back type moment. Why, why are we doing that in the middle of the trilogy? And that there goes the problem of once you start pulling on the knives out sweater it starts to unravel um to the point that the sweater just isn't going to be there anymore and i kept pulling on threads and last shit i have wait 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 that does no what um to the point that i've hmm. just gotten more and more frustrated the more i think about it i've just like Ryan Johnson is a great director, and I like Last Jedi as a solo movie. But as a continuation of the story established in Force Awakens, it is a really bad continuation of a narrative. But also, there's a lot of things that I clearly must have missed the first time I watched Last Jedi that infuriate me now. Like, I clearly missed the first time I watched how disrespectful Last Jedi is in his treatment of Admiral Ackbar, who deserved yeah, so much better than well, how he went out.
1: I I will say though, he has been more propped up in the EU and by fans, and I don't know if fans should drive content. Uh, I but I do think it. You can't just purposely kill Admiral Atbar because you could have just you could have had him die, for example, and now had a character mention it. But because he's mentioned. And, like, in the fact they decide to kill him off screen, it does so off-handedly seem that like I a little bit of a middle time. finger.
0: Yeah, so... It, it feels like a middle finger, does it not? It really does, of just so half-effort, oh, yeah, we killed Admiral Akbar. It reminds me, I, I hate to keep bringing up Zack Snyder, it reminds me of how in uh Batman v Superman, they just kind of haphazardly killed Jimmy Olsen of, like, well, we didn't really know what to do with him, so we just killed him off. Like, no, that's a really kind of important character to Superman's mythos. And you just kind of, one, you made him a soldier for one or two, you just randomly killed him off. I'm not saying Admiral Akbar is like a critical character to Star Wars, but he definitely does still have a very important role in the hearts of Star Wars fans. And to just kind of throw him off to the wayside, like quite a few elements in this movie, just really didn't work for me. Also, the cloud was over this movie from its release with the whole passing of Carrie Fisher thing, so that there was absolutely that in the air when you're watching it of just like knowing, well, until Rise of Skywalker came out, assuming this was Carrie Fisher's last role as Leia. So there's a couple times in the movie you're just like, "All right, this is this is Leia's goodbye." Okay, no, this is Leia's goodbye. There's like three chances in this movie of Leia probably should have died, but they didn't. I I think it would have been for the best had, not saying they needed to kill Leia, but definitively end her story, like write her out somehow. But, uh, yeah, it kind of made for an awkward experience. And I feel like we've gone this far without talking about it. The worst thing about this movie, Canto bite. I, even even in the theater... I hated this. There it's uh the perfect analogy was when I was watching the Nostalgia Critic review of Last Jedi. They're talking about how great the dynamic between Rey and Kylo in is like we're learning about all these cool new force powers and then the characters playing Finn and Rose just pop up in front of the viewer just like, "Hey guys, let's go back to our story. Um no, no thanks. We're learning about the yeah. Force. That's that's cool to us. Uh we'll we'll get back to that in a little bit. That's boring let's go back to Canto bite that's so much more interesting i'm going that is more or less how the movie treats it of cancel bite is so important to the story and it's really not like you can drop the whole cancel bite literally everything and nothing about the movie changes it
1: yeah that's that and that's
0: bad filmmaking there's a I, lot I, that's that's not the last jedi that unfortunately if it doesn't happen doesn't change the movie um I didn't talk about this in Force Awakens, um, but my favorite character from Force Awakens absolutely got the shaft in Last Jedi, and it still pisses me off to this day. And I hope they justify it in Rise of Skywalker, and I think they will. What the hell happened to Poe Dameron's character? Yeah. um, He definitely has... He definitely has a,
1: a moment of, I mean... He, he actually has character development in the movie, but here's the problem. The character development, you mentioned it earlier in the continuation, doesn't seem like the same character from the very first, from, from The Force Awakens. Nope. Seems like they're developing a different version of him.
0: So Because he definitely goes through from the very beginning to the very end, but he just seems like a doofus. Yeah, he was a leader in Force Awakens, like a competent leader who, yes, he was a little bit reckless, but at the same time he seemed like a he was more or less in line to be a general, like, he seemed like he was good in leadership, and then Last Jedi comes along as, is, ah, nah, he's a loose cannon that no one trusts, I'm like, are are you sure about that? Um, and I'm not gonna go into the whole Holdo thing, people, enough people have complained about that, but her character was, honestly, that should have been Princess Leia that was scolding Poe the whole movie, not some random character that we're gonna meet and then have to kill off spend barely any time with yeah yeah i I,
1: i'll say everything you know
0: it's the last jedi
1: i actually i think is a i don't even want to say it's a good movie because of the canto bite sequence it's hard for me to get away that because there are moments i think that are brilliant say what you want about the holdo sacrifice but from a purely visual standpoint artistic design the holdo sacrifice sequence is Absolutely breathtaking. Uh, there's been a few moments in theaters where I have gasped because it was just so shocking visually. And again, the sound design, worth basically the lack of sound design, absolutely brilliant. I, it's still one of my favorite Star Wars moments in history. Just be, and that that is where you see the brilliance of filmmaking. Um, I always wanted to see, like, when, when kind of C-3PO was talking about. You know, there's some there's some ga- gab in the the in A New Hope about the idea uh, when when they come out of hyperspace and they believe they've come through like an asteroid field. And Han talks about um uh, talks about the idea of you know of what you have to do as far as calculating a jump to light speed, and we actually get to see the consequences and the kinetic force and the physics involved in a ship. Going at the speed of light, runs into another ship, and the and basically the domino effect that happens like that. With that is so cool to see. Unfortunately, like you said, it's with a character that doesn't really matter. It has no weight. It doesn't. I don't have any emotion to it. Um, and when you you talk about a movie that's also set like from the beginning of the Force Awakens to the end of the Last Jedi, we've spent a week. With these characters, and these are two major motion pictures that have been taken that physically, like in, in real time, take place two years apart. The original trilogy, I will fight this. People don't agree with me, Nate, on this, but I'm going to say from a narrative perspective, from from the beginning or from the New Hope to the beginning of Empire Strikes Back, it's basically three years in that timeline. Yep. Luke Skywalker looks different, sounds well, different, the car
0: accident to acts blame for different.
1: That, but... Yeah, yeah. I will say yes, but he also looks older as well, looks more mature, and just like the Harry Potter films uh, with those characters that grow up over time, he also you see him use the Force for the first time for the most part. You see him grab his lightsaber in the in the in the ice cave with the Wampa sequence, and it's believable. Why is it believable? Because you know that there's been time that has passed. There's an arc. There's
0: a story for Luke. Yes, changes exactly. my big issue yeah, he with has. our protagonist, well, yes. our main protagonist in these new ones, I haven't talked about it yet. Um, I liked Ray for the most part in Force Awakens. A lot of people are just like, she's a Mary Sue, whatever, whatever. Uh, I still don't think people really know what that means when they say it in arguments. Um, I think in Force Awakens, Ray is fine. But as we've seen uh, for these movies, overarching is she pales in comparison to Luke because my big issue with Ray is... She has no arc. She never changes. They keep saying she does, but she's always, um, I don't know where I come from. I'm going to learn about some things in the Force. That's both Force Awakens and Last Jedi and seemingly what we're getting for Rise of Skywalker. There is no growth as a character. Where Luke is in A New Hope, as an annoying, whiny brat on a desert, to full-fledged, all-powerful Jedi by the end of Return of the Jedi that's a journey um and ray more or less is the same character in every single movie she's i've also said this before she never loses which is so frustrating because loss is how and when you relate to the characters in a movie of luke losing his hand at empire only to come back strong on return of the jedi because he's had to buckle down on his training loss makes a character more interesting it means they're still human they can still feel pain having ray never losing any fight whatsoever damages her character because it makes more or less makes her super unrelatable of well no harm can come to her that's why i've almost said from the beginning In terms of characters, and I know some people absolutely hate this character, but for me, Kylo Ren is a thousand times more interesting than Rey because he actually has an interesting story and has moments of confliction as a character and has grown as a character. The Kylo Ren we see in Rise of Skywalker is not the Kylo Ren that we see in Force Awakens. So, conspiracy theory, maybe he's the hero of the trilogy.
1: He said, well, we could go find that out. We just have to go over no, to Reddit no, and, and no, read no, all the spoilers. No. Uh, <laughs> don't you cast that uh, evil on no, me. You're, you're right. I, I've done well so far. i, I <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, there's a lot of disjointedness, I, I think, from the very beginning. Not having a cohesive story written about where you want everything to go. Massive mistake. I have no idea how uh, that actually happens in a leading particular like as a leadership like here's the narrative we want to tell at the very beginning uh, and here's where we want it to be by the end so at the very end we want to get here i think it's also foolish to say here's how we map it out every step of the way because you know like you said fans have different reactions to some things and once you put some things on screen things need to change so I i don't think you need to put all your eggs in one basket but to at least say here's where we want to end up because this is how we best end the skywalker saga um I don't think they even had that in mind. I think that's evident by the fact they had three different directors. They fired different directors. They had different people writing these. Uh, they had no idea what was really going on. Like you said, the lack of cohesion between Episode 7 and Episode 8 is so apparent. It feels like it was one's a dream and the other one's reality as far as what our characters are and were, and we're uh, designed to be. Uh, from the very first drafts of the scripts, so it, it's it's that and like how that happens on such a massive level, I just don't understand. But it, again, I will again I will say that it's it's the closeness. Episode eight happens right after episode seven. I think that is a massive narrative choice when it comes to uh, motion picture. Film and trilogy, there's got to be time passage. Now, unless you're telling the Lord of the Rings type of thing, where you're supposed to have it, like because you're following predetermined source material, um, that I that I totally but understand. Then, it's a different argument here. With Lord of the Rings, you're like, right because ev-
0: the characters themselves are on a time crunch. They have to destroy this ring yes. because they're being chased.
1: Yes, yeah, they have to. And in, in Star Wars, every film has time passing between it. Every single one, it's part of it. That's how you can subconsciously have characters grow or develop new personality traits, have different powers, physically, I said, even physically look different. All of that buys into the factor. like, so when a character does something different, you don't have to have a bunch of exposition. They just do things and it's believable because that's just life. It's like when you haven't seen a friend in a year and they look different or they have a different vocabulary because they picked up on a different, different, um, Words that you you know different uh, habits. It's but you know unless their whole DNA you know has changed, usually it's not a bad thing. You know it's it's usually it's like hey yeah you know hey you've changed in these moderate ways over the course of a year. But to to say that you're gonna tell a cohesive story in Star Wars and like you said the lack of character development, like I, I just don't see any character development at least from a continuation standpoint. It Does it does seem like the Rise of Skywalker is gonna have that? Um, it definitely feels like a J.J. Abrams film, but I, I I gotta say, man, I am I I was disappointed, and I and to talk about the other ones, I was disappointed in Rogue One. I thought that was mismarketed. I thought the movie we're gonna get was very dark and gritty, and I still applaud them for still you know going with a darker ending of all the protagonists dying and actually sacrificing themselves. Um, but Solo, I think honestly, you want to talk about. Um, if you want to talk about the most egregious thing for me, it was Solo. One to abandon the December release date was the was the first red flag, and then to abandon any sort of crawl with Rogue One. And I remember being if you would have told me back in twenty twelve Nate that I was gonna watch a Star Wars movie set six years from then at that date, and I would have, I truly walking out of the theater could have cared less if I saw it or not i would have said well no you're wrong that's that's not right and the fact that i saw this on opening night uh, i saw solo and the theater was not even half full the movie just starts like any other movie because there's no crawl there's no main theme and it just kind of starts um one of my friends who's a huge star wars fan was late to the movie um there was like no wait and even though I know Bob Iger definitely, you know, he made public statements regretting the fact of all of that, but the fact they'd have the audacity to just try to slip in this kind of Star Wars story, I thought was the biggest disrespect to what the genre was, and that is where they lost me. They they lost any faith in me as a Star Wars fan. I immediately checked out with Disney saying. This has a Star Wars brand, but it's not Star Wars to me. And then, and because of I that that I took that as blatant disrespect, and and so Rise of Skywalker seems
0: more like Star Wars, just like the Force Awakens. You brought up Bob Iger, but I uh, blaming yeah Solo. So. What bothered me about that is he put the blame in the wrong spot. He's just like, oh, the mo- the reason why Solo didn't do well is because it came too soon after Last Jedi. Um... No, moron. The reason why Solo didn't do well is we were telling you to your face for months and for years, Solo is not a movie we want to see. It is a character. No. If you're going to do it, it has to be with Han Solo, but we don't really need an origin story for Han Solo. It's it's a character that doesn't need it. We want an Obi-Wan project. We want a Boba Fett project. We want literally anything but Solo. And just like, nah, you, you guys want Solo. You just don't know you want it. And sure enough, we didn't want it. Then they tried to find this that, and the other excuse for why it failed when people were saying forever this is a movie we do not want and we will not go see. And Disney thought they knew better. They thought they knew what the people wanted and stuck to their guns and it blew up in their face. And I, it still pisses me off to this day because the failure of Rogue One and the failure of Solo is the reason we never got our Obi-Wan movie. They're more or less... If you read between the lines now, it's... Ewan Ob- McGregor has been attached to this Obi-Wan movie for years and was supposed to happen, but because of the failures of Solo and of Rogue One, it got turned into this Disney Plus series, which thankfully we're getting that, but Solo was a project that never should have happened, and they kept placing the blame in the wrong spot. Also, I love Lord and Miller's directors. They were absolutely the wrong choice for Solo.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's just go get out the new bright, shiny toy and then regretting it afterwards. It's like almost buyer's remorse. That's all of Kathleen Kennedy's run
0: at Lucasfilm, though, is she gets the sexy names to direct movies because they have big hits before, not necessarily considering if they're the right fits for the films that they're doing. J.J. Abrams was a good fit for Force Awakens. Ryan Johnson was a big name coming off of Looper, but was he the right choice for last jedi that's for you people at home to determine i'm not going to tell you how to think um we will definitely differ on this one i'm sure i've never thought that gareth edwards was a good choice for rogue one because if there's one weakness that gareth edwards has it's human characters I hate the humans in the 2014 Godzilla. They are so bland and un- uninteresting, except for the one that they killed 10 minutes into the movie, which I still think is, was a dumb choice. Um, he has issues with human characters, and that's something you really need when the movie is more or less a spy thriller and a heist movie. You need good, compelling characters, and I hate almost all the characters in Rogue One that are humans. K2SO was a one shining, redeeming thing. Um... Lord and Miller, great directors, poor choice for solo. It just does not fit. It's like Christopher Nolan directing a comedy. It just doesn't work. They're great with their own lane, but don't make them pop out of their bubble. And Kathleen Kennedy sh- has shown time and time again, she gets it mainly for the headlines, not for what's a good fit.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I totally agree with you. I like the 2014 Godzilla because I, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting uh, to even care about the human characters because I'm there to see Godzilla, and I got Godzilla. Not nearly enough, but I still liked it. The reason why I thought it was going to be good is because of that, that leaked, um, leaked Star Wars celebration footage of what the uh, Obi-Wan and the narrative and just the whole pitch of the film and then the the concept art and kind of like the influence of Saving Private Ryan and just like what it was going to cost it was going to seem to be very very gritty so i was on board with that obviously half of the marketing campaign uh was misleading um there's the reshoots and you know the characters dying didn't have because like the original ending was that all of them were supposed to die at darth vader's hand uh that would have been amazing to see uh, very dark and everything. I understand why Disney didn't want to have their name on it, but I thought that would have made, made for a better story. Uh, basically, I think Gareth Edwards' vision was too dark and too gritty for for Lucasfilm, and they decided to change it, and they had a little bit of a disagreement on that. That's why they brought in Tony Gilroy, and I think he did a very inferior job to what Gareth Edwards would have done, but it was more lighthearted because of how they split up the last act. They split up all the characters so they could die of their own heroic deaths that are a little bit more lighthearted. Um, that's why you have like the whole. If you watch the trailer and then watch the film, there's a lot of shots that aren't even in there. And you can tell, I mean, it was one of the most blatant reshoot, re edits you have ever seen versus marketing versus final product. So I think Gareth Edwards had a pretty good film, and they didn't allow him to do it. Um, and I think he disagreed with that, and that's why they brought in a new a new director to at least do the reshoots. It's pretty simple to me to put that puzzle piece together. Uh, so what I expected and what I got from Rogue One is what was the most disappointing thing. It, however, is my second my second favorite of what we've gotten so far. I still don't like the film, but objectively I can't say that it's a bad film because I think it's competently
0: done. Honestly. I will give... Enormous amounts of credit, though, to Gareth Edwards in how he handled the situation. Of, of he was absolutely professional. Um, same thing with JJ Abrams. There has been some talk for many years now that JJ and Ryan Johnson do not get along, um, and have not for a lot of years. And there, these are these are just rumors that have never been confirmed that JJ, while he may say on the surface, that he approved of Last Jedi, he was not a fan of th- some of the things that were changed from his narrative in Last Jedi. But he's remained very professional in interviews, being like, "Oh yeah, Last Jedi was great to watch as a fan. This, that, and the other thing." Like both him and Gareth Edwards, super professional, great company guys, and I think that's why Lucasfilm hasn't thrown them under the bus like they have some other directors. Um, but we could talk about the mishandling of Lucasfilm all day. Let's get back into some positives. Let's go into our MVP section because there are some redeeming things in both *Force Awakens* and *Last Jedi*. So let's talk about the bests. Michael, who is your MVP for *The Force Awakens*?
1: Uh, BB-8. Uh, I, I I'm very partial to droids because they play such a key uh, key part. Uh, he he basically steals the show uh, as far as just like the adorable factor and really kind of. Buys into this the fact that you're like, oh, I don't necessarily miss R2 or C3PO as much as I thought I would, because this new droid is just awesome. Obviously he carries the the key to um, to Luke Skywalker, which you know is basically the whole MacGuffin of the movie. And you know, I I think that uh, BB-8's personality is fantastic, and he he I think adds so much to the film itself. Uh, and I love the the character design his personality everything about it so he's my mvp for force awakens
0: uh uh, mine is very very close to it uh it's the character that's introduced after bb8 in force awakens so bb8's the first character we see in force awakens followed closely behind by my mvp poe dameron so poe dameron doesn't get nearly as much screen time as he deserves in force awakens but he has probably the most important job in all of star wars which was get the audience back in So, I say that because he's the first human character we've met um, since the prequels. And a lot of people hate the characters in the prequels because they're not written well. So, the pressure's really on Oscar Isaac's performance as Poe Dameron to get us back to caring about human characters again. But also to like them, just to understand them again, just to make it feel like Star Wars. And almost right off the bat when he's talking to Lauren Santeca... That's all right, but the moment right off the bat they're just like, "All right, I'm glad I got your pop figure." Is when Kylo runs interrogating him, and he's just staring at him, and Poe's just like, "So do I talk? Do you talk? How does this work?"
1: Yeah, who talks first? <laughs> That's uh, yes. Do you, want, absolutely. do you want to take
0: off the mask? It's a little. It's a little hard to understand you with the whole breathing apparatus of just like. He's not trying to be Han Solo, which I thought going into it, he might just be a Han Solo clone. He's not Han Solo. He's Poe Dameron, and he's a lot of fun. So then when Finn breaks him out, he's just like, why are you breaking me out? Because it's the right thing to do. You need a pilot. I need a pilot. Just those little interactions that were so desperately missing from Force, from the prequels. Just a sense of fun. And uh, besides my favorite scene, which we'll talk about later... Um, One of the scenes that gave me the biggest smile on my face the whole movie um, was not seeing the Falcon again, as great as that was, but it's when Finn and Poe escape, and it's just a sense of immediate camaraderie between the two of them and just fun of uh, FN-2187. I don't like that. Finn. How about I call you Finn? And then they shoot down the other TIE fighters and the lasers, and they're just they're having fun together and heaven forbid we have fun in a star wars movie um and i'll talk more about him because he's in my favorite moment of force awakens but i'll talk about that later poe is just he was the character that we all needed to be reintroduced into the star wars world He was the perfect character for that of fun but not trying to be someone else um also, not related to somebody else, which is something these new movies rely a little too heavily on. Um, also, I will give, he's not my MVP, but an honorable mention to Adam Driver as Kylo Ren. I thought he was phenomenal in The Force Awakens, considering all the different things that's asked of him in that role. Of, uh, I said at the time, um, if you take just A New Hope and just Force Awakens, compare those two movies side by side kylo ren is more interesting than darth vader which got me in a lot of fights at the time but i still stand by that yeah that'll do that for you but i still stand by that because in episode four vader does literally nothing whereas kylo you get more of his backstory and he's more compelling of a character now as the movies progress vader became one of the greatest villains of all time and kylo is still kylo but kylo still leagues more interesting than a lot of his co-stars um but Adam driver continues to be like, he really burst on the stage in star Wars and I've kind of been following his career ever since. He's a phenomenal actor and he really showcased that for me for the first time in force awakens. Um, move on to last Jedi. Who's your MVP for last Jedi?
1: Um, Oh goodness. Well, I I have to say Luca. It's a pretty easy, um, answer and it's probably um probably the stereotypical one just because of what he does i i I do like the whole see around kid that that is amazing it's brilliant i mean he really does you want to talk about what kylo actually having more like character development i think he's the most consistently well fleshed out character and that moment of him still not being able to best you know his his uncle is just awesome and the fact that luke is just you just exhibiting his mastery of the Force um, is the best part of the Last Jedi, in my opinion. Um, and seeing Kylo just his anger just doesn't work out, and he's kind of just left to wonder. Okay, I've killed my master. I I'm still obviously incredibly inferior to the light side here, and Rey's gotten away. What do I do now? So I I think it, I think it leaves all of that leaves him in a great great like and fascinating stance and and for for Luke for him to come in at least to have a moment with his sister there, wink at c3po which seemed more Mark Hamill than it did Luke Skywalker which I still think is such an odd directorial choice but that that aside um it's got to be Luke it, it just because of what he does to help save save the rebels at least distract them enough to to get out
0: yeah I completely agree mine is Luke as well. Um, Not because of the big action scenes, but I know a lot of people wanted Luke to return as the great Jedi Knight that he has always been. I actually didn't mind bum Luke because if you meet somebody that you haven't seen in 30 years, spoiler alert, they're not going to be the same person. It's like, I often compare things to wrestling, but it's so true of, say there's a great wrestler from years and years ago, like Stone Cold Steve Austin was the biggest name in the Attitude Era. If he came back and wrestled today, I'm sorry. He's not going to be the same wrestler that he was in the 90s. He's a different person. His body isn't up to snuff anymore, but he's still entertaining. He just has to go about things in a different way, and I see Luke the same way. Obviously, he's... He's, despite what people want, he is not the main focus of this trilogy. If you want Luke, go back and watch the original trilogy. These movies are about someone else now. He's the Obi-Wan now. And if you want Obi-Wan stories, go to the prequels. These movies are not about Luke. He's there to be a supporting character. And that's fine. And I liked what he, how he portrayed it. I don't necessarily... I think he could have done better, but I don't blame Mark Hamill for it, especially considering um, Mark Hamill apparently was very vocal in his disagreements with Ryan Johnson, which raised all kinds of red flags before the movie. Um, but given how much he hated what the character, what his character was made to do mark campbell kind of conduct himself with his professionalism and just really to me brings his acting a game in this role in terms of the sheer acting ability this is the best luke skywalker we've ever seen of just the different complexities that he's asked to bring this time around is different than anything he had to do in the original trilogy and that's for the better um and then that final showdown is just fantastic it's a different luke and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing And this is coming from me, who Luke is one of my favorite characters in the entire series. But you don't want to completely change everything. But you can't be so glued to the past that you can't accept anything from the future. And I think that's a lot of issues people have with Last Jedi. Is Luke wasn't how I remember it. Well, nothing is how you remember it when you were a kid. Like, if you watch the original trilogy, it's... Some of it isn't always the cinematic masterpiece that you remember it to be. But you have this sense of nostalgia that's roasted to glasses. So, eventually, current generations will have the same thoughts about these new ones, I think. It's just a matter of time. For all these. For some reason, people crapped on the prequels, and now they're like revered masterpieces, which still leave me scratching my head going, Wait, is it cool to like the prequels now? I, I'm confused. But... Considering how much he hated the role, I applaud Mark Hamill enormously for his role as Luke Skywalker. Uh, Now we'll transition to our favorite moments. Force Awakens. I actually had to think about this one just because I enjoy so much of the movie. I had to think about one moment in particular that stood out to me. And come the the Force Awakens. There's so much of the movie. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm.
1: okay. Gotcha. Oh, I, I, uh, I. You hadn't. uh, I thought you. You're going. Last Jedi... Are you just agreeing with me or now you're just giving me your two? Yes, yes,
0: yes. Oh, okay. My apologies. Okay. So, yeah. Force Awakens, I enjoyed so much of Force Awakens. It took me a little bit to narrow it down, but then when I thought about it, I was just like, oh, yeah, it's obvious. So I said Poe Dameron was my favorite character and he's responsible for my favorite scene. And that's when Finn, Han, and Chewie are surrounded at uh, Maz Kanata's castle on Takodana. And then all of a sudden, you hear the great music by john williams dun, 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 dun. it's like the march of the resistance or the resistance theme or something and all of a sudden you see like three or four x-wings gliding across the water which we've never seen x-wings like fly this low before in a movie uh like gliding across the water like kicking up water and you're just like oh that's an awesome beautiful shot and then the, the dog fight uh, around Taco Donna was fantastic because I remember at Star Wars Celebration, they asked Oscar Isaac, So what's Poe Dameron like? And his first thing out of his mouth was, He's the best pilot in the galaxy. And I'm just like, All right, ego. I, I highly doubt that, but whatever. And then in that shot, in a single take, you see Poe Dameron just shoot down like seven TIE fighters just back to back. And you're like, Oh, kill streak. This dude knows what he's talking about. All right, you are the best pilot in the galaxy. And then they forget it for Last Jedi. But um, the music that accompanies that, just seeing the X-Wings gliding across the water. And also, I have a major crush on Poe Dameron's X-Wing. That black and gold, the black and orange is gorgeous. Um, I love that scene yes, so much. That was really well done.
1: yeah the um I, I I definitely would agree with you I mean I can't disagree with any of your things i am just gonna argue more semantics but um, yeah the MVPs of this are a little bit more I think clear cut uh, than than the previous uh, the, the prequel trilogy or the sequel trilogy just because um, again we've mentioned it before there's not a whole lot of characters and, and arcs that, really make more sense sometimes uh whereas i i don't find myself rooting for all the same amount of characters or being as invested but Poe, at least for the force awakens absolutely he 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 was just one of those hot shot pilots that had the, the swagger to go with it and you could tell he was confident and and so yeah i i couldn't i couldn't agree more honestly i i obviously he's connected directly to bb8 so i mean basically the same so would choice. that
0: be your favorite moment as well is the taco Donna fight um it...
1: oh that's hard uh it's hard actually to to go against that the the actual shots of of Finn and Poe together in the in the tie fighter sequence that was awesome favorite sequence um Favorite, my actually my favorite shot of the movie is not even in the movie. It's from that uh, Black Friday teaser of when you see Kylo Ren for the first time. When you see that, the yeah. Pilt. Why
0: wasn't that in the movie? Um, that was a great shot that I remember the internet hating at the I, time. I had no idea that.
1: Yeah, that was my favorite shot. Uh, actually, and it wasn't even included. Favorite moment of the Force Awakens, if I go back and just continue to look at it, um, has got to be, um, the not because i like the moment but it's the it's the imagery of what happens when when han is trying to get ben to come back and when the you know, when was it star killer base uh, begins to fire that the casts a lot of red on, on kylo's face and with that skylight that's on that that uh, walkway um and he starts to grip the lightsaber harder. Is is this the red? It just kind of it kind of goes back to why you love that sequence in Return of the Jedi when Luke's face is half in light, half in darkness, and he has like that moment of choice and that fury and that rage. I, I think that was really good direction. So it's it's my favorite art moment. But I I don't I, I laugh every time. I'll go back and watch it. I also have struggled with sanitation. Good. Also, that's not how the Force works. I, I that's that was awesome to me uh that that gay that was the biggest laugh in 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 the theater was that line from han after he's finding out that finn was just a nobody
0: <laughs> so i used to really enjoy the han solo death scene and then i saw the bad lip reading for force awakens and it completely ruins that scene for me have you oh have you no. seen that video
1: oh i have not but now i'm not going it, to
0: it's so funny. So it's just like Kylo talking to Han Solo and it's bad lip reading. He's just like, I made a finger puppet. And then, like, <laughs> these little finger puppets show up, and Han Solo's just like, all right, that's weird. Just like, oh, nope, now I'm going to be thinking about finger puppets whenever I see Han Solo die. Uh, skipping ahead to Last Jedi, I'm going to go out and, well, actually, no, I know for a fact we do not. I was about to say, I assume we have the same favorite scene, but I know for a fact we do not. I'm gonna guess yours is the Holdo scene. Yeah, it is just because Because of just
1: be yeah, yeah. Well, that that's funny. Um, just because it's one of those moments that I don't really get in cinema anymore, where it just took my breath away. Like you said, it made me gasp. It was like visually stunning, and I'm I'm so glad they have a 4K version of it on YouTube that I watch every now and then.
0: Fair enough and obviously i've talked about mine enough it's when ray and kylo team up in snoke's throne room as terribly choreographed as that fight scene is like do not watch that in <laughs> slow motion it is i could choreograph a better fight now if you told me ray oh, and kylo awful. team up ray and kylo team up to fight um i don't know the praetorian guard or the knights of ren somebody and the fight is choreographed by ray park sign me up for that i'm more interested in it was a great moment not necessarily the best choreographed moment but a great theory experience nonetheless all right now to close out the show we will rank all the disney era so the two uh sequel trilogy movies so far as well as the two anthology movies which can we acknowledge that a star wars story is the stupidest subtitle ever
1: yeah, if they, if they kept what of like anthology. I thought it'd been so much better. I don't. Yeah, a I don't Star get Wars it. anthology. Understand? Sounds
0: me, but whatever. A Star Wars yeah. story just sounds like a fairy mm-hmm. tale. Um. So are, are we going best to worst, worst, worst to best? best. What are be, we doing here? Okay. Um. So. All right. After you, sir. My worst by a landslide because I to me there's only two redeeming things about this movie and that is K2SO and Vader murdering fools like he's on a kill streak in battlefront and that is rogue one i hate this movie so much i've only seen this movie twice and that is more than enough for me that being said i find it odd that i own this movie on blu-ray but i don't have my number three movie on blu-ray which is solo and i've seen that movie also twice but i like solo more than i like rogue one barely uh, there's a little bit more positives to it for me. Of uh, The pacing's a little bit better. I hate the first half of Rogue One. There's so much bouncing around and so much unexplained. Clearly, this was cut in the editing floor. Whereas Solo, it it plays it a little too safe at times. But I get what they're going for, at least. Uh, plus, there's more positives to me of... I don't know what it is. I don't think Alden Erich Reich was a great Solo. But this scene where he's playing Sabak against donald glover's um lando the first time both of them are absolutely nailing the role um i don't know what changed for that scene but he was perfect for that and i've i'm not alone when i speak the praises of donald glover's performance as lando like if you told me we're getting a lando movie with him that i'm more interested in than getting another solo movie he was phenomenal in that role um but the movie is so incredibly forgettable you just shoehorned a cameo a perfectly good cameo into the end of it that i'm sure left so many people confused of going wait what why is he here i thought he was like a jc penny special everything's half off but um
1: Uh, that's okay that's also
0: Amelia Clark continues to prove to me that if she's not in Game of Thrones, then she's just kind of okay as an actress. Um, I completely forget everything about Solo. It was completely uninteresting to me, but it's still better than Rogue One, at least. Um, which naturally leads me to number two, The Last Jedi, which I think has some good elements, but there's a lot. Last Jedi to me, there's the most amount of give-and-take. There's some great explorations of the themes of the Force. Then you've got Canto Bite. You've got some good character work. And then you've got all the other terrible character work. Anything with Rey, Kylo, or um, Luke is really good. Anything with Holdo, Poe, Finn, or Rose is hot garbage. Um, yeah, great ending. Really solid beginning, too. The opening fight scene is great. And then there's most of the middle that you have to contend with. And then that naturally leaves my number one. And my favorite so far is The Force Awakens. I really, really enjoy Force Awakens. I think this is the shot in the arm that the franchise needed so desperately. And I really, really enjoy it. And I'm also going to have my bold prediction now that I think Rise of Skywalker, after I see it, will probably be number two i don't think it'll beat force awakens but i think it'll be good i think it'll be better than last jedi but it won't top force awakens at least in my mind uh what's your ranking there michael
1: yeah i'll keep it brief because i really don't have a whole lot to say uh at the bottom where i believe it deserves to be is the last jedi um then it's solo for me um i'll say it was completely boring and uninteresting um as a star wars film as a sci-fi movie that's a little bit more western and gunslinging, I think it's pretty good. Uh, it's actually the movie that I would be more apt to, re- to re-watch. I've only seen it once because I never wanted to really see it any more times, but I need to show my family at some point. Uh, the Rogue One, I think, is just a better, more entertaining movie. I still don't like it because I think of the missed opportunities, but if I'm being objective, it is not a bad movie. There are some bad moments in it, but... It's the, the the movie looks fantastic. Like it's shot beautifully, and they tell the cohesive story. The very beginning though is all over the place. It's an absolute mess as far as the amount of planets they visit. Um, so that's why it keeps it down. Is it's a lower tier of quality for me. Uh, the Force Awakens is my favorite of this new one just because um, the movie looks great. It's a reintroduction to Star Wars, but even the novelty aside. Really, for me, it's it. Like I said, it feels like Star Wars, but the all the aesthetics look great. I think it looks better than the Last Jedi as far as like some of the CGI and art direction. Uh, I don't know how it was even possible, but it does in my opinion. Screw those things. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I understand. I hear you. Um, but I am, I am. I was blown away by the Force Awakens. Every other film falls short because it feels like it's trying to force itself into a Star Wars universe. Honestly, it feels like a movie that is set outside of the Star Wars universe, then the script was converted to add Star Wars um, like vernacular in it and then set it in a sci-fi universe or, or, or basically a space opera. That's how it feels versus the script and the feel and the flow of The Force Awakens feels like it was always embedded in the Star Wars universe, Star Wars canon. Um, and based on what I've read, I know a lot more than you do about uh, Rise of Skywalker uh, and, and on purpose. Um, and so I will say this. I am fully expecting uh, the Rise of Skywalker to be my favorite Star Wars oh, film since Return of the really? Jedi. Like I, I have – yes, uh, because of what I know what happens already – um, spoilers don't bother me anymore. Uh, spoilers would have bothered me for the Force Awakens, but because I've basically given up <laughs> on this kind of era of Star Wars, I really don't care that much. Uh, but I am fully expecting to to absolutely love this movie, and I do have high hopes and expectations. And if they do fall short, um, you know that's technically on me. But I, I but at this point given what it's supposed to be, what I know about it, I want to have high expectations. I don't want to just kind of like... I hope it's mediocre. That's just not how I feel. I want it to be fantastic. I'm expecting it to be great because all of the puzzle pieces are there. And from what I know, I I actually won't... I'm expecting to like it more than The Force Awakens and, and better than all the prequels. So uh it should be in my top five at the end. If it's not, I'm gonna be disappointed, Nate, and just just being honest well, with you.
0: You actually got my excitement up a little bit for Rise of Skywalker. I've I've slowly been getting more excited, but you just amped me up a little bit more. So thanks for that. I'm I'm excited now. Yeah, I, you're welcome. You're welcome, buddies. Two days. What are you actually seeing? Uh eight fifteen Thursday night.
1: Okay, so you're gonna see it ahead of me. So I will be, I will still not actually have started the film by the time you get out of your showing. So unlike in years past, I will have a text, Um, I'll, my phone will be awaiting a text from you, kind sir, because my movie doesn't start until 11.45. It's
0: trash, it's like so, Michael Bay directed it.
1: Oh, that's that would be great. Just please troll me, please. It's um, like a Denny
0: Villeneuve but, art house yeah, I, uh, movie with the lightsabers.
1: That's good. now. Are you
0: seeing it in IMAX? No, by it's chance? just standard showing. I will be seeing it in IMAX at some point, you. just not that opening night.
1: Gotcha. Because I know, don't think I, I'm seeing it. We. Just the once. reason why I couldn't. You know, I. I don't think so either. Um, I I am seeing it on a 96 by 48 foot screen. It's the largest screen in Michigan, and it's a it's a 4K projector with Dolby Atmos. Saransa. I hate you so much. Uh. So that is why I didn't get the opening show. We got an opening night, just not the first showing. We got the second showing because even before the tickets went on sale, the website already opened, and so there was like tickets available, but not for like a group of people. Like there was like still a couple singles available. So, oh well, well. fair enough. Oh, well, well, this has
0: been a fun journey through the Star Wars legacy. I could always talk Star Wars with Michael as. I'm sure he knows very well. Michael, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on these past three weeks, and I'm sure we will have you back at some point in the 2020 year to talk movies again on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you once again for stepping in. As soon as I knew we were doing Star Wars, I was like, i got to have Michael on, so it's great to have you on. (laughs)
1: hey thank you man it is a privilege it's not a right and anything that i can do in the future to help out uh i am here for you it's it's been an honor to to be a part of the program once again and thank you movie fans for hanging out and having me back i appreciate it well
0: i'm sure this will not be the last we hear of michael on the podcast well what do you guys think about the star wars sequel trilogy let us know in the comments below we always like hearing from you guys and as always if you like to hear more about the Untreaded Media podcast, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether that's Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Untreaded Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals, and may the Force be with you.